Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for this week's episode. Joining me on the show this week is Jamie Holmes. I met Jamie at the Apromicon class that I hosted here in Minnesota back in June. Uh, Super awesome guy, very intelligent. Uh, He's actually the admin or one of the admins for the Facebook page now, so you've probably seen some of his posts. Um, We're going to chat about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, He's going to share with us his journey through the automotive world, uh, through being a tech and business ownership and mobile diagnostics and programming and a whole lot of other stuff as well. We're also going to talk about why we love doing what we're doing so much and why that's important to someone, uh, no matter what job you're in, you know, that it is important to love what you're doing. And if you're not, well, (laughs) find something else, right? You should at least, at the very least, not hate your job, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Anyways, uh, I really enjoyed this talk, Jamie. Great guy. Uh, Hopefully you'll enjoy it as well. Oh, and uh, one more note. Um, the audio quality of this one uh, wasn't the greatest and I'm not exactly sure what happened if it was internet connection or the software that I used to do the recording, but it turned out to be not so great. So I apologize about that. Hey, if you want to be the audio guy for the podcast, shoot me a message. <laughs> I'll probably hire you because uh, I always seem to be fighting it in one way or another. Anyways, uh, with that all out of the way, let's jump into the episode. But but as I said, you know, whenever I was, you know, talking to uh, to young people or a young audience or whatever the case is, and specifically talking about trade specifically, not just motive power, um, I always said that, you know, and I can I can even say this today, you know, even 43 years later, I can say I have never, ever woken up and not wanted to go to work. You know, even even in the in the deepest, darkest days in the early nineties when we were in a recession and business was crap, you know, and, uh, in order to keep the, the shop running, I had snowplow contracts and I'd be up to three and four o'clock in the morning plowing snow, um, you know, just to keep the cash flowing so we could keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. Even then, you know, even then, you know, with two and three and four hours sleep, I always wanted to go to work. It was cause it's like you, like you had said before, when we were talking, it's, it's a decision. It's something you wanted to do. It's what you like to do. And man, how lucky are we to be able to do something that we'd like to do? I I couldn't imagine, you know, like I've, you know, and I'm sure you've, you have friends too. And I've had had friends who've said, Oh man, I hate my job. Yeah. Why don't you quit? Like find something you like to do. Cause I mean, I could not imagine we're having to work for as long as you have to work in this lifetime and do something that you didn't like. Yeah. It, it, absolutely it's depressing to think um that the, yeah the amount of time that you work i mean even if it is just 40 hours a week like that alone is, is such a huge chunk of your life over your entire adult or your working career 
and, oh, yeah. and to do something that you're not interested in, something that maybe you hate, you hate the people you work with, and you just despise getting up in the morning and going there. And that, that's that definitely does. Uh, Oh, I'm, man, that I, would... I'm so happy that I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. I mean, you know, there's there's a line from a song, you know, that uh, I forget. It's it's a really irrelevant, but it's, it kind of goes like, uh, yeah, I, you know, getting up at six a.m., you know, washing down, you know, a stale donut with a cup of coffee, and driving an hour and a half uh, to spend the day in a room full of jerks. <laughs> you know what i mean i think but but that's what some people live yeah you know, that's what they do and and you know and, and despite the despite the you know the frustrations that uh that this career can bring and and despite you know um uh not the hurt feelings but you know, so, sometimes we don't. We certainly don't get the respect with, that we deserve. But I mean, yeah, that's that's all part of it. I mean, you get to the point where it's all of a sudden it's water off the duck's back. But but you think that, but even still, you still like doing what you're doing. Like like you can push all that stuff aside, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 really like it. It's it's like well, I I used to always say you better find something that you like to do because you're going to actually spend more time with those people than in some cases you're going to spend with your family. Yeah, yeah, and that, I mean that goes with like shop culture and and the place that you're working in. Uh, that, yeah, you're you're seeing those people. If you're at a place working fifty, sixty hours a week, more than you're seeing yeah. wife and kids potentially. And so, yeah, again, if you if you absolutely despise the people that you're working with, definitely make a change. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's so many options right now for it. Um, what so you've been doing this for a long time. What would you yeah. say you love the most about automotive? What is it? How would you define what keeps you coming back every day and wanting to do it? Well, you know what? Uh, a friend of mine actually, uh, actually, and a, you know, a young guy like you, um, uh, who's, who's a really great tech and, and really, really, really smart guy, um, he really kind of nailed it for me some time ago. And I always kind of knew this in the background, but I get such a such a kick out of solving a problem, fixing something. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what does it for me. I get the you know the little high from figuring something out, or all of a sudden it's fixed, or whatever the case is, and it's you know it's sorted out, and you know. And I mean, you know, for me, you end up taking on you know, just bigger and bigger things as time goes along to try and, to try and, you know, you're like a junkie, you know, you're <laughs> chasing for, that dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Always chasing the dragon. I'll, I'll give an example. Like, um, you know, I, I'm semi-retired. Okay. okay. I, I, I sold my business uh, three years ago. My business partner, unfortunately, his health wasn't as good as mine. And our, <clears throat> our partnership agreement was such that if one of us, something happened to one of us and we had to sell, then the other one had to sell to it. That was just part of the deal. I had another five years in me. He was done, unfortunately, at that point. Okay. Uh, but in any event, so I, I retired for about three months and I kind of went, yeah, I'm not ready. You know, this, this, this retirement thing's not working for me. So I started getting back in. So uh, because of my business and the way that it worked, and we can talk about that later, but I had such a, uh, you know, I had a non-compete that was probably 15 pages long about what I couldn't do. Okay. 
So I, I couldn't get back into the automotive business. I, I was I was forbidden, really. And, and I understand why. Uh, so what I did is I helped a friend of mine uh, with his generator business. He's a common zoning dealer here in Ontario. And uh, so I went to work and help him. You know, okay. and that was kind of cool because, you know, they're, you know they're, it's pretty similar to automotive. There's a lot of automotive engines and stuff like that. And he enjoyed or he liked my experience because he's a diesel tech. So if it had points and condensers, he's lost. Okay. Right. So I cut my teeth on that stuff. So it's pretty gravy. So I helped him out for a while and I did that for about two and a half years. And then, you know, we talked about this earlier about uh, then came, you know, the second winter of working and I went, nah, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> this really sucks. You know, I was out a day and I had like three calls to do and it was minus 40 and the wind's howling and I'm going, nah, I'm too old for this. This this, this is not what I want to do. So, you know, we, we came to an agreement and I still do calls for him. I do bits and pieces, but then I thought, what am I going to do? So I started doing uh, uh, some machine work because uh, I'm, you know, what my, my hobby, believe it or not, is cars. I, I'm in really antique stuff, so most of my stuff is pre-1915. Yeah, so I saw I, that Cadillac that you uh, posted some pictures of in the Facebook. Oh, yeah, the 11. Yeah, still cool. away that one. yeah, yeah, I'm getting there, nibbling away at it, bit and piece. Uh, but I started making um, uh, replacement carburetor needles with uh, Viton rubber tips on them. Because what happens is a lot of these things, they, you know, they're, they're brass on brass or they're steel on brass or, and they wear and they're, you know, they're unobtainium. You can't get them. So, uh, but I found buying raw Viton, uh, and making the, the tips for the needles would make them seat because flooded carbons are a huge issue with antique cars and fires are, of course, always a big issue too. So I would get into that. I was doing that for a little bit. Then I started doing some machine work for people. And then I did some, uh, made some, you know, bits and pieces of custom brackets for the the, the Nissan, the G35 world. A guy okay. got brought brackets that didn't work, and I fixed them and then took them to a CNC company and got them manufactured, and we sold like 60 or 70 sets of those things. And and right now, you know, you talk about trying to get bigger high. I've got sitting on my, on my bench uh, an Audi R8 motor uh, that came to me in five boxes. <laughs> a, a friend of mine who's a rotary tuner who who doesn't work on piston engines at all tall i mean all he works is well i call them doritos all he works on <laughs> rotaries right so he's never, he's never done anything like this before so he had a tech take this job on and the guy took it apart then he quit oh geez yeah so he's so he said hey listen would you do the bottom end for me and, and i said yeah sure so i've got it sitting and that's where that post came from. You know, I was working on stuff for my car because I'm waiting for a couple of parts for this 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 V10. And I was kind of looking at the two parts and I'm going, yeah, you know, there's a lot of differences. But, you know, what? and I've always said that's kind of a kind of my coin saying when people say, oh, well, what are you working on that for? Hey, man, they're all nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had a, I had a, a Bentley Turbo R in here a couple of a couple of months ago, you know, with a fuel system issue. You know, it was a electronic uh, mechanical fuel injection system. Once again, you know, they came out in 79, the year that I started. So I know them really well. Okay. You know, but I do, um, I, do uh, I have probably half a dozen Ferrari clients that I do work for them. I And most of the Ferrari stuff I, I work on is uh, late 50s right through to the mid 70s. That's most of my clients. That's where they come from. 
uh, you know, a lot of the B12 stuff. And, you know, car- once again, points and carburetors, that kind of stuff is, is, is second nature to me. I've got a distributor machine. I do a lot of distributor rebuilding and other just bits and pieces. So, but but that's not enough to kind of keep me busy, right? I mean, you know, I get projects in, I, you know, I, I put them out, put them out, I turn them around and get them back out. Uh-huh. So I got... Well, I get into the, the mobile dyad stuff, right? Because, all right, so, well, maybe maybe I should back up a little bit. So yeah. I get into the treatment in 79, and I was really lucky because I, I had an electronics background. I've been a ham since I was 15. So electronics and electricity is, is second nature to me. It's, it's like a lot of stuff for other guys, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but, so I was, you know, and I'm, and I'm not a big guy. You know, like, I'm, you know, I'm only 5'4". You know, and back then I was like five four, and I weighed one hundred and ten pounds. So I wasn't made for slugging and hammering kingpins and slugging tires and all that kind of stuff. So, and I worked in in a shop that was flat rate. So, uh, and being the kind of the junior apprentice, um, and because of the electrical stuff in my other background, I always I did the, the tune up stuff, the electrical, the air conditioning, the carb overhauls, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, and then I had a, a part time job at night. Um, working for an AC Delco shop doing carburetors for them. So, you know, I get into the drivability and because of the, um, the AC Delco connection, um, I got a lot of experience because, you know, in 80, the first feedback carburetor came out with a PCM. Okay. Right. So the first Delco PCMs came out in 79 and 80. That's when they were introduced. So I, I was really lucky because I get in kind of on the ground floor. If you Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I took I took a ton of training through AC Delco and took some other training, you know, through Ford. And so whatever was offered, I took because I was, you know, I wanted to absorb as much as I possibly could. So anyway, that went on for a while. And then um, in 1986, uh, myself and the two business partners, the two guys that I worked for in that shop um, came to me and they wanted to start their own franchise because they owned a franchise and they weren't really impressed with how it was run and they thought they could do better. So they came to me and said, Hey, you know, we're thinking about opening our first location. Why don't you open the first location? And, uh, so I put up my, my car, my 64 Chevelle convertible <laughs> and my toolbox and I borrowed 15 grand and, uh, we bought a business and opened the first shop. Nice. And then, and where in Go Canada ahead. is that? You said Ontario? Yeah, in southern Ontario. That, okay. that was in Saga, which is just outside of Toronto. Oh, It's gotcha. kind of a suburb over from Toronto, if you will. Okay. So we opened that shop uh, in 1986, and my, my, my then-girlfriend and I, we weren't even married at the time, and uh, we opened that shop, and I had that shop for 22 years. Uh, and then I kind of helped in the background. I wasn't one of the principal owners, but I helped in the background and with the franchise and my two other partners and so on, and, you know, bought them out. Eventually opened a second shop. I, I actually opened the first shop and the 30th shop in the, in the chain. Okay. And, uh, and then I sold the, the second shop. And then the oldest business partner, the second partner had, had been gone for quite some time by then, decided to go do something else. Uh, but the second business partner, the older one, wanted to retire. So he came to me and said, hey, because we had had a deal from day one that said I had first right of refusal to buy the business. And he said, um, you've got about 18 to, 18 to 24 months if you want to buy this thing. Why don't you come work at head office 
because I want to take 14 to 16 weeks holiday a year. You can see how it runs. Check out this side of it. And uh, so I did. And uh, he, did, he, after a while, decided that he wasn't quite ready to sell. So it took about four years mm-hmm. for it to happen, which was fine. Uh, and then so I went out and got uh, another business partner and uh, who's an accountant, who's also a car guy. And um, we ended up, uh, after some protracted negotiation, ended up buying uh, Master Mechanic, had 36 locations at the time. And um, then we took it, owned it for, we owned it for almost 16 years and um, increased the sales by about 30%. And we closed some stores, opened some stores. And by the time we sold, we were at 39 solid locations. You know, wow. we had sales of, yeah, so we had sales of just over $36 million a year. That's so, awesome. I mean, that's franchise-wide sales across the 39 locations. Yeah. So, um, but it was quite a change, you know, going from, you know, running a shop and, and running, you know, just a single garage to ending up with, you know, 39 locations, 260 employees, you know, 39 customers, because, you know, my franchisees were my customers. They're the ones that I had to keep happy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I looked after the day-to-day operation of the shops and my business partner looked after everything else. You know, okay. he looked after the stuff in the office. He looked after the leases and dealing with landlords and all that tax, all things. You know, and being a, being an accountant, you know, he was pretty uh, pretty good with money, as one might imagine. And that's yeah. what I always I said, hey, listen, you know, what? Uh, it's cool. You you make the money decisions because every penny you save, half of it's mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we we were really. I was really really lucky. Because uh, I couldn't do his job and he couldn't do my job. Mm-hmm. Well, while we would occasionally ask the odd question, if he said, "This is what we're gonna, this is what I suggest we do here," yeah, no problem. And when it came to the stores, if I said, "This is what needs to be done here," he'd go, "Yeah, okay." So it was good. I mean, you know, in the fifteen years, we really never had a, a really a crossword between us. You know, we would occasionally piss each other, piss, <laughs> piss each other. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And uh, and so on. But I mean, but that's, you know, that's just the nature of it, right? So anyway, but but going back, I mean, you know, somebody posted actually, I, I'm not sure whether it was on the, in the, the, the podcast page or there was another page that a bunch of people that you and I both kind of have gotten to know, um, you know, people are talking about running their own businesses and how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's tough. You know, I used to say to my franchisees, you know, guys get frustrated and want to. They want to throw in the towel and say, you know, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Whatever case is, and I said, you know what, what you need to do is walk away for a little bit. You just back up. You need, you know, you need to back off a little bit, and and then you you've got to just kind of reevaluate, take a deep breath, step back, and then go back at it with a renewed attitude. I mean, if it was easy, everybody do it, right? right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I mean, you know, the the problem is today. It's it's so hard because people expect instant response and instant communication, right? You know, they they expect you know, oh, I sent you an email, oh, I sent you a text, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's great, but I've already got eighteen ahead of you. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's only ten o'clock in the morning, right? You you know what it's like. I mean, I'm I'm pretty lucky. My business right now, I mean, for us right now, it's snow tire season. I'm sure you guys have the same thing. Oh, so yeah. all the stuff around here are slammed. So nobody's taking on anything that's going to take them more than 45 minutes to an hour to do. 
you know, if, if you're, you know, you've got the same thing. If your car isn't running right, nah, man, we'll get to that in January. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> After so, Christmas. Yeah, I mean, so well, I, I got a little bit of rest on right now. So it's, it's not too bad. I'm still at doing doing stuff. So, but, um, but going back to the business, you know, you, you really have to, you've got to, you've got to be able to take a little different look at things sometimes. And, and I realized a long time ago that I can't please everybody mm. I can't be everybody's friend. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I run into business and it's my responsibility. I mean, you know, with you, you have a responsibility to yourself. You've got a responsibility for the bills you pay. You've got a responsibility to your household. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case is, that with the money you bring in, you got to maximize and do what you can while trying to be a fair and ethical guy, mm-hmm. right? And and that's you know everybody says, oh, that's got to be easy. You just always do the right thing. Well, you try to do always do the right thing, and and but but sometimes you know you you try to do the right thing, and all of a sudden. It, it comes off the rails real quick, yeah. you know, and, 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 and whatever. I mean, you know, give an example. So the other day I got a call from a shop that I've been into a couple times, you know, really sharp guys. You know, they got like six techs, good looking shop, lots of business. Um, and the guy calls me and says, Hey, uh, we got a problem here. We got this Dodge truck. Uh, looks like we got a problem with our Cardac M. Um, mm-hmm. Keeps coming back with a software issue. We think that the that the interf- that the J boxes something's wrong with it. TrueTech says something's wrong with the box. Can okay. you come down and program this Dodge for us? Yeah, sure, no problem. So, I mean, these days with us with the exchange and everything, um, uh, you know, it's 120 bucks US, but that works out to like almost 190 dollars Canadian right now with the connect with the exchange oh. and the right. So we're getting killed up here on that. So, you know, I charge my flat 150 bucks. You know, that's uh-huh. what I try to flash. So you put that. So now you're at two fifty plus a little bit of truck. Like we're we're over three hundred dollars to flash a Chrysler. You yeah. know, and and it's a TCM, so the truck doesn't move. The sure. guy says, "Yeah, that's cool, no problem. Come on down." So I get the shop, and I said, to "The guy, you know what?" I said, "Listen, you've already eaten the three subs. You know, you're out of pocket almost two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Why don't we take my J box? See if you can register it on your laptop." And program the truck. You know, let me see if I can help you. Right? You know, the, the way I look at it, and, what I, and, and the saying that I use with shops is, hey, the shop, you, you and me, we're on the same side of the table. Mm-hmm. It's the customer that's on the other side of the table, right? <laughs> yeah, those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so at the end of the day, so anyway, bottom line is, uh, we ended up hooking up my J-Box, and um, things still wouldn't program. Mm-hmm. And we got poking around a little bit. And there was communication, a new code was communication code. And it turns out uh, that the dealer sold them wrong TCM. What uh, what vehicle was this on? I'm just curious. It was a 2020 uh, Ram uh, 2500. What uh, what transmission? I don't know. I didn't okay. get anyone. I just, you know, I, I, I just pulled it out and I said, I said, hey, let's give this to your parts, to your service guy. Have him call the dealer and see if this is the right part number. No, it's just funny that you say that. I had a, a Grand Cherokee two days ago um, yeah. where they put in a new valve body, um, and yeah, uh, it was yeah. the the wrong part. And it was an eight-speed transmission, yeah. but, yeah, I went to program it, and I'm like, hey, sorry, guys, this is the wrong part. And I even proved it. We we unplugged the, the, the new transmission 
and then I plugged in the old valve body. I'm like, yeah, we have our, it was some park position code. Yeah, that's, like, that's, what, that's what we had too. Oh, okay. And the, um, and the, uh, uh, the, the shift selector, uh, we were getting codes with the shift selector. Yeah. Because they wouldn't communicate with it. Okay. Um, it was wrong. And I, I think, I think it had been the dealer. They replaced it, the shifter and then that didn't fix it. And then they brought it to this shop and I looked at it. Okay. It's valve body. But anyways, yeah, that's interesting that you say that, that because they got sent the wrong part. Um, yeah, we confirmed that, but that that's definitely interesting. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the best part about, about ours was uh, uh, when the, when the uh, service advisor came out and said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, you better check it. Oh, well, I hope it's not the wrong part. This is the only one they had. <laughs> well, well, maybe maybe the guy who's working at the parts counter at the dealer used to work at the records and thinks they're all the same. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a um, there's a, a blurry line between doing the right thing and helping people out and then you getting screwed over too and oh, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, unfortunately yeah. find myself there a lot I'm trying to get better at it but I'm like yeah I want to help this shop out or these guys sure. out because I have a working relationship with them and I mean a lot of the places I go to I've gotten to know these guys and you want to be careful as a business owner, obviously, like you can't be best friends with these people, but at the same time, I want to help them out. Like I'm yeah. there to make their lives easier, but where does it, where do I draw that line so that I'm not yeah. taking well, a hit? Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Well, I mean, I mean, time management is really what it's all about, right? You know, I, I mean, my, my thought is, is as I go in, I'm sure you, you have your deal. I mean, I, you know, you know, right now I'm, I charge a buck 35 an hour. And it's an hour and a half minimum. And everybody knows that. That's And that's when I talk to somebody on the phone and they call me up to come in. I say, this is how it goes, whether I'm there 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour and a half minimum. And then after an hour and a half, we're going to talk about where we're at. And then we're going to decide where you want to go. I mean, where where it becomes a little more not difficult, where this is where I sometimes, I just say I feel bad. I, I don't feel bad anymore. I, I used to joke with my franchisees because, you know, they always, because it's always a, uh, one side of the table, the other side of the table kind of arrangement, right? Because they always think, oh, you're the guy, you know, you take, you know, 6% of my sales every month. And, you know, what do you do? What if, it's, it's always a, what have you done for me lately kind of relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's always like that. So I used to, I had a saying, I said, listen, say whatever you want to say, because I only have one feeling left and it's in the car. So, <laughs> you know I mean? if, yeah. if you want to talk about something, let's let's hash it out. But going back to your question about the shops, uh, where I have difficulty with is when you give them a diagnosis, and they go, "Well, yeah, I don't think that's what it is." Mm-hmm. And you go, "Okay, well that's fine, but you still owe me two hundred eighty bucks because that's our agreement. This mm-hmm. is what it is." And, you know, you can take my, take my diag or not take my diag. That's, that's up to you. But this is what I think it is. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether you have, you know, any kind of guarantee. I mean, I mean, with me, it's a little bit easier. I mean, I, I say, look, if I give you bad advice or whatever the case is, don't pay me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, and that's, that's kind of hard sometimes because you're going so. Geez, I really hope I'm right, but I, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but, I've been there. 
Yeah, but if yeah, we've all been there. I mean, that's that's just honesty. It's the way it is. I mean, we're not guessing, but sometimes, as we all know, you get into something and you've done your homework and you've done everything, and you still don't definitively know. Yep. Right. Uh, I mean, that's one of the one of the beautiful things I find uh, with the picoscope. You know, with the in-cylinder transducer and stuff like that. I've nailed so many things, as you probably have too. And you can say definitively, no, this is what's happening. Yep. This is what's going on. This is what you need to do. And you know giving the shop advice like that. Yeah. But sometimes you get into stuff and you go, yeah, well, yeah, I, th I think we got that. Uh -huh. So I always say, look, if that's not right or something isn't quite right, call me back. Yep. You know, yeah, call me same back. Way. You know, I, 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 you know, I made the odd wrong call. Uh, unfortunately, not too many. Um, you know, you feel bad and you feel whatever, but it was the best, the best call you could have made at the time with the information you had. That's the way I looked at it. And, and I mean, I, 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 I certainly offered the, I said to the guys, hey, listen, you can't send that back. I'll buy it. Mm -hmm. and, and I, and I have not yet had a shop take me up on it. They go, no, 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 you, you do enough for us. You know, you, you help us out or whatever the case is. You know, and, and the way they look at it, too, I think many shops look at it as well. We would have made that call and replaced that and then probably three other things by now. Yeah, exactly. So so from that point of view, you still are providing service. But, yeah, it, it's always hard. It's, it's such a balance. Uh, I found in my shop when I was running my first shop that I had to end up, instead of eating lunch with the guys every day, I actually would let them eat their lunch on their own. I would grab my lunch and I would go up the front and I would enter invoices and make up, you know, make up uh, bills for customers and get caught up on that kind of stuff. And it's not that I didn't want to be one of the guys. It's just that we had to, there had to be a, de a definitive line between being one of the guys and being the boss. Yeah. Because if you, if, if you don't do that, you're, you're setting yourself up for, not being taken advantage of, but not but not being taken seriously, mm -hmm. and that's and that's a real pitfall. That's a lot of people do. They, you know, they want to be friends with them, but but they but that ruins the relationship. I found the exact same thing with teaching too. Is and our program, the way it was structured, was you spent four six hour days with these students for an entire year, two semesters. And you really do get to know these students very well. And, I mean, you know, they're into this stuff. I'm into this stuff. Of course, you know, we're building relationships and stuff. But I had to make that barrier because you can't be best friends with them, especially as, like, a teacher when you're giving them grades and things like that. Like, it just – that you know, like you say, you're setting yourself up to be in a bad spot to not, not to take, be taken advantage of, but it makes it really tough. If you're like, Oh, this is my buddy, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, it makes it tough on you. Yeah. It's yeah. Not tough yeah. On them. It's not tough on them because right. you to go, Oh, well, you know, you're the guy who runs the place. You're the guy that, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. Or you've got this, or you've got that. And I'm going, yeah, but you know what you don't understand or what, well, when you, you know, Franchise, but certainly in the shop, it's even more so because you're, you know, you're on such a, a tight line with, you know, with paying the bills and whatever the case is, you know. And and I mean, hey, there were times uh, when my guys made more money than I did. 
right? You know, but they don't they don't see that. They don't appreciate that. They don't understand that every single day, you know, there's a cost of putting that key in the door, uh, you know, and, and turning the lights on, and and there's a risk. You know, you're sticking your neck out every single day. You know, and, and there's a there's a level of stress to that. And the way I look at it is, hey, if you're if you're doing that, uh, then you know you deserve to be rewarded for. It. But not everybody sees it that. Right. Well, um, so so you're doing mobile programming and stuff, and then you came to the class that we held here in Minnesota in June. Yeah, for the yeah, I did. Programming and programming, uh, board level stuff. Um, mm-hmm. How's that stuff going for you? Doing more of that recently? It's, I'm doing more of it. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a little more, a little more. Um, I you know I've had some help. I've got you know a great support group with uh, with the Balaton guys, and, and Kevin Sutter has been has been incredibly helpful. He's done over and above to try and help me, and I, and I really appreciate that. Um, but actually, what started this whole thing was back in March. I got a call to a shop. And uh, I was 2014 Grand Cherokee and uh, needed an RF house. And uh, apparently on, uh, as we know, intergalactic back order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the poor lady, I mean, the thing only had like 100 pages, so 60,000 miles on Really great shape. And uh, she dragged it out of the dealer to the shop because the dealer told her that the car was scrapped. Oh, really? Yeah, and and I mean the poor lady, I felt bad for her, but she had to buy another car to get to work. Wow! So we thought, you know what, this is BS. Like, like there's got to be a way around this. Like, yeah. this just doesn't make sense to me. You know, understanding, you know, you know, I, like I said, I have an electronics background, but I'm not a computer guy. So um, when I started doing a bit more reading, just reading, and I went, hmm, there's got to be a way to deal with this. And then I saw. IO terminal, and then I saw a post by Mike, Mike Christofferson. Uh, he mentioned something about IO, and I think it was the DN, DN network. And mm-hmm. I went, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. I got to get into this because, you know, it's this. I, I'm thinking this is the thin end of the wedge, you know, with where we're headed, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm, I'm starting to get more and more calls on this stuff. So what I'm telling everybody I know is, if you get a, a module or we change the module, whatever the case is, I want it. Yep. Give give it to me. Like give give me everything you've got. I, a friend of mine works for a Chrysler dealer, like in northern Alberta, like way the hell up there. And you know, every two or three months, I get a box, you know, that has oh. half dozen, you know, crapped out modules that they've changed. You know, now they're a little different from the dealer network down here because they work on even older stuff where they are because they're in such a small community. It's so isolated. You know, it's not like there's 15 shops to go to, mm-hmm. you know, when stuff like that comes in, it goes to the dealer. It doesn't go to the small shop. So he's able to get that stuff. And then my son actually is a, a dealer tech for GM. So he's just started to get me the odd thing here and there, too. Nice. You know, just trying to learn, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to learn. I mean, I did learn a, a really good saying from Kevin, actually, uh, when we were at the EPromicon thing. He said, listen, don't ever tell anybody that you can fix it. Tell them that you we will you will attempt that. We will attempt <laughs> to do that. And I, think, and I think that's true. And, and how I explained it to the shops, I said, well, yeah, we can attempt to do that. We'll see what, what – well, you can't fix it. I said, well, hey, listen, we'll try. Yeah. But what's the worst case? It's already broken. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I get a lot with the used modules. You know, so many, so much of the time they'll ask me, can I put a use this and that? I'm like, I don't know. I've never tried that before. So I, I think that's the best way to answer is it's like, we'll attempt it. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll attempt it. We'll give it a try. I mean, yeah. you know, some I've certainly with the various groups and with what I learned, um, you know, for those couple of days. To me, the, the the I mean, the soldering stuff and that. I mean, I was I'm already was already fairly adept at that. Um, mm -hmm. So some of the techniques were new, though. Like I'd never used a hot air station before. Okay. Um, I quickly realized how much stuff I could wreck really quickly <laughs> with that and cause all kinds of other trouble. How tiny those little t resistors uh, are on the board. Yeah. <laughs> those caps and stuff, and I'm going, oh man. Wow, it's such a long way from where I started, you know, dealing with vacuum tubes and resistors and size <laughs> and stuff, you know. Uh, but, um, but, it, but I find it challenging. I, I really like it. Like, you know, people say, "Well, why, why are you doing this?" For me, it's to keep my brain active. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like I, you know, I've heard of so many people when they retire. I retired too early. Really, for me, I mean, mentally, mentally and physically, I retired too early. Like, I'm 62 now. I figured I got some I got some racetrack left. I, I have a friend who does mostly programming and does some diagonal and still does some teaching actually for CarQuest. Um, but and he's seventy one. Okay. Actually, I, I actually I called to BCM for him this morning. Nice. You know to to help him out because he's getting into he's starting to realize in his marketplace that you know he's getting once again the module shortage stuff we can't get uh, can't get new news not available. What's the solution, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what we what I'm starting to run into actually with mostly with uh, work vehicles, you know, like uh, Chevy Ford and Dodge pickup trucks. You know, people got these things, and they're you know they're not they're not new trucks, but you know they're you know ten years old or twelve years old. They still got some life left in them, and um, you know they're getting modules are are going, and 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 the trucks are being sidelined. You know, and the guy got uh, got his truck. It's a special welder's truck or it's a delivery, whatever the case. They've got to kit it out with a specific body for what they're doing. And to turn around and take that and slam it on a new chassis, uh, the cost is just, and I'm not going to say it's astronomical, but it doesn't make sense. So to try and keep this thing on the road. And then, you know, when I get into, you know, I uh, one of my sisters is a, a real greenie, tree hugger greenie. Okay. And, uh, and I say to her, she says, well, you know, those vehicles aren't as efficient. I said, but hang on a minute. Does it, is it more environmentally beneficial, friendly, whatever wording you want to use, to keep a vehicle that's already manufactured on the road? Or is it better to scrap that thing and make a new one? Right. To me, to me I think it's environmentally better to keep the older on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and yeah, where does the scrap from that vehicle necessarily go? I, I don't know. Is that actually going to get, you know, recycled or is it going to go sit in a landfill somewhere? Um, well, you can. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I mean, look at, look at, you know, I mean, you know, here for, for years, I don't know, you know, but recycling where you are, but up here, you know, we've been recycling forever in a day, you know, every household, you know, splits their stuff. I mean, we've been doing that for 25 years coming on 30 years. Mm -hmm. Well, many, um, uh, many uh, municipalities now no longer take styrofoam mm. because they've realized that they can't actually do anything with styrofoam except 
throw it in a furnace and turn it into fuel. Okay. <laughs> and set it up a smokestack. There's actually no product that they can turn around with either that white beaded styrofoam or the styrofoam containers, whatever the, the, the case may be. Uh, they can't actually turn that into a product. You know, it's not like a hard plastic, you know, a number two plastic or whatever it is that they to grind it up and make a new milk jug. They can't do that with styrofoam. So luckily, there's not a lot of those materials in cars, well, except for uh, interior materials. But what happens to that stuff? Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's it's like maybe a cotton, maybe it's a an oil based product, or and the foam that's in the seat. Now, guess what? We can't do jack shit with that. So right, right, it's going to go right. into fill. Yep. Yep. You know, how can that be a good idea? Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, I'm, th I'm thinking about it now that um, we're talking about up north. This is actually in Alaska. So I had a local customer who his, uh, some family member of his lived, or, or maybe it was just worked, but they were way up in Alaska, like one of those places where you got to fly up to Alaska in a plane and then you get on a prop plane and you fly another, however, far north to this little town that has, you know, no, almost no connection to the outside world. And there was a Chevy truck that, um, the, uh, I think it was the PCM went out on it or whatever, and they had no means of getting this thing you know, programmed to the vehicle uh, out in, and they're like, this vehicle is basically down and useless and we can't, it's not like they can tow it somewhere, right? <laughs> it's like, what do we do with this thing? And so I had them mail me the, um, the PCM and we deleted the, or the, the um, I'm sorry, he bought a PCM that he was going to mail up there, a replacement one. And I deleted the anti-theft out of it with HP tuners I told him, I was like, well, this should be plug and play at least to start the engine now. And it actually worked and get, they got the truck going. And so that was kind of cool. But um, th that's the sort of thing is like, yeah, you can make, you know, an otherwise piece of junk still useful and productive to someone. Maybe that they're going to use for their job or to get their kids to school or something like that. So yeah. I, think, I think we're doing good stuff by keeping things yeah, going. I, I, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think we are. I mean... Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys still have the J2534 option for, for Mercedes? Um, that is yes a good no. question. I, I think it's there, but they don't play well with it. Um, yeah. But I, I honestly am probably not the person to speak to it. I don't do a ton of Mercedes stuff. Yeah, no, I, well, I don't do any at all. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. We lost the J2534 um, option uh, coming up on two years ago. Okay. Uh, Mercedes pulled it out of Canada, so they said, "Yeah, no problem. You know, you know we, we'll still sell you the factory scan tool and so on." So, the, <laughs> yeah, the thirty thousand dollars. But yeah, our well, a friend of mine has one thirty nine grand he paid yeah, for it, thirty nine Canadian, and uh, well, you know what? The the, the, um, uh, the you know the sub's not bad. It's only ninety eight hundred dollars a year. So, but, but the friend of mine who owns it, but he does two or three, four Mercedes a day, right? Okay. Yeah. Then it makes big. sense. Yeah. 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 He's in the marketplace and he does tons of Mercedes, lots of BMW. He's not a big fan of the BMW. He'd rather be the Mercedes, but with the factory tool, he can do what he needs to do. But I mean, going back to, to what we we're just talking about, about people not having their vehicles. So, you know, you take your, take your sprinter van, 
into mm-hmm. a shop because it needs a knock sensor or whatever <laughs> it needs. Pick, pick a sensor. It's yeah. going to need one at yep. least. So, uh, and then when you put it in, then it's got to go, it's got to be programmed. It's got to be set up for the vehicle. So then um, what we're finding is the clients are driving, you know, driving the vehicle with their 50 kilometers they have left before D rates <laughs> getting it to the dealer. And then uh, the dealer says, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we'll get to that. You know, and the truck sits there for a week and a half or two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going, I guess that's just the game they play. But I'm going, man, if I own one of this, those things, all I'd be thinking about that entire time is I'm never buying another one of these things. Yeah. You're not the first person to say almost that exact same thing to me um, with those the Sprinter vans that will yeah shut down uh, once you run out of deaf fluid and that they have so many issues uh, with that system. They're like, we can't afford to run these as our service vehicles because, you know, some companies are losing thousands or tens of thousands of dollars a day when they have those trucks off the road. Um, oh, absolutely. And, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's one of the great thing about fleet work is, is, is they want them done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's not, it's not necessarily always how much is it? Uh, is it done yet? Yeah. When can we get it done? Yeah. When can we get it back? I, I actually realized that I, I wheeled a, a shop in, uh, in Toronto. And uh, one day, a uh, Land Rover came in. Discovery guy came in with a Discovery. And I'm going on, oh, oh, oh. right? But it was it was just simple maintenance. Guy came in for an oil change and wanted the brakes checked. So I we did the brake check, and uh, and needed brakes front and back. And uh, so I quoted the guy, and I'm kind of you know the guy's first time in, and I'm going, oh man, how am I going to tell this guy it's going to be about 1,900 bucks, you know, for for all round brakes? And I'm going, well, I'm just going to tell, him, right? Yep. Straight up, I told the guy, and it's like ten o'clock in the morning. He goes, "Yeah, okay, can I have that by three? <laughs> well, you got any friends with these? <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's like anything, you know. It, it depends on the market, depends on the person. Yep. You know, we used to do work for the post office um, at one of the shops that I worked at, and they were obviously the same way. It's like those trucks got to go, like. Fix them and fix them now. We don't care what it costs. Get them going. And well, those things were piles of crap. But <laughs> no, they they were. We we actually did uh, did work for Canada Post actually at one point in time. Actually, actually, they almost bankrupted me because they were so bad at paying. Yeah, they, they, the, they were just terrible. At paying. My stop mailing the check. You know? the, sh- the shop owner. Yeah. <laughs> the shop owner that I. I uh, worked for at the time said the exact same thing was that getting money out of them was actually really difficult. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And you'd, you'd think, you know, the, the government, they'd just be giving everybody money, but no, <laughs> but uh, you know what, but, but we went through a, a period with them, it was but a, but a two year period where they had decided they set up, uh, they had a budget number. I think it was like 3,500 bucks per truck. Okay. And they wanted the trucks brought in, and they they gave us the inspection form that they wanted us to use. We did the inspections and everything like that. And then we came back with an estimate. And if it was less than thirty five hundred bucks, they said fix it. You know, I mean, we were you know we were dealing with these beat up you know Dodge B one hundred conversion vans, boxes on the back of them, you know slant sixes. We were doing in frames in the things because the compression was was off, and, and three quarters of them were propane. I mean, it was just just an absolute dog's breakfast of a fleet. <laughs> but 
but it was one of those things. It was money, right? I mean, you know, we yeah. were we were we were slow. It was during the recession. You know, everybody was trying to save save a buck, mm-hmm. and uh, and and this is what it came down to. But like I said, it was just uh, just terrible to get paid. Out front of my first shop, uh, there was a bus stop, and okay. uh, I, remember, I remember this very distinctly from 1990, from that recession. Um, you know, it was it was in the morning, whatever time it was, eight thirty, whatever. And I went went to get out the only car that we had booked in for the day. And I went out the front with the keys, and I get a hop on the car, and I hear a knock, 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 like somebody knocking on a, on a window. And I look up, and it was the bus had stopped, and it was one of my customers waving to me. He was on the bus, okay. and I knew I knew that his family had two cars, and I kind of went. Oh man! Huh. Like, is this what it's come down to? Yeah. You know, this is a guy who has a car who's mm-hmm. actually parked it at home and he's taken the bus to work. Yeah. Like, is there any hope for us? <laughs> you know, that was a pretty depressing day. You know, because I couldn't get that out of my mind. I could, I can always still. I mean, you know, however many years, forty years, thirty years later, I'm, I can still picture that guy. You know, and and trying to figure, man, how are we going to survive this? You know, how how are we going to get our way through? But we did. You know, as I, I always said to people that, that 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 recession or whatever you want to call it, that taught me how to run a business. Yeah, I was going to say, what's your what was your mindset that got you through that period? Because, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. We could end up be going through the same thing. Oh, yeah. In, we, in we, the we next the five thing. to ten years. My, you know, my, my thought was um, I never said no. You know, if somebody had something, we took it in. Mm-hmm. If it was the lawnmower, we took it in. It didn't matter. We didn't care. We're not proud. You know, if uh, I was taught as an apprentice, and this is probably a rather sexist statement, but uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm probably not out the business front these days, that if a man made it, a man can fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was always told, right? I, You know, I, I, I came up with some pretty rough and tumble guys, but... <clears throat> You know, it was one of those things. Hey, whatever it was, we'll we'll do it. I don't I don't care what it is. You know, if it's a Rolls Royce, if it's a Honda Civic, I don't care. Whatever it is, if, it, if it's got wheels, got an engine, and it rolls, bring it in. Mm-hmm. We'll look at it. You know, and and I think that's what you have to do. And sometimes you, you know, as I said, you know, I I took at one point in time, I had a you know a couple three or four snow plowing contracts. You know, that I would go out after the shop closed and I would go clear lots or do whatever. And sometimes I'd have to go during the day. It didn't matter. We weren't that busy anyway. You know, when clear snow, just to just to bring in money. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you, you just have to think outside the box and you have to be willing to do what's required mm-hmm. to, to make it work. Right. Yep. I think I, I don't know who, you know, they, they, the saying is, is attributed to Winston Churchill, I believe. But he said or whoever said it, it said that. It is sometimes insufficient to do your best. You must sometimes do what's required. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good that's a good saying. Yeah. You know, you, you you've got to kind of figure out whatever you need to do to keep going. You know, and sometimes it's not fixing cars, unfortunately. Sure. Hopefully it's not going to come to that. Hopefully hopefully things will straighten out. I mean, one thing I found uh with that particular recession is that we went into it uh, about six months ahead of everybody else. So our business slowed down about six months ahead of everyone else's. Okay. But we came out of it about a year and a half ahead of everybody else. You know, you're, like the. You're referring to just the auto industry in general? 
Yeah, the automotive. Yeah, automotive okay. repair. Like, 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 like I was talking to other other shop owners in the area and whatever the case may be, and you know they were going, yeah, we're slow, things slowed down, whatever the case is, blah blah blah. Meanwhile, I was talking to you know other retailers, people who were my customers. You know, the guy who owned the mattress store across the road who said, no, no, well, we're doing good, we're doing good. And then all of a sudden, about six months later, man, boom, you know, it, uh, yeah. it spiraled into the ground, and everybody's you know running around with their heads cut off, and they're going, yeah. Oh, I was, I've been telling you this for six months. You know? uh, and, but then about a year and a half after, before everybody else, we came out of it and we were busy. You know, I, I think people had put stuff off for so long that it got to the point where they were they couldn't afford to buy a new car. Mm-hmm. And they realized put stuff off. So they were just bringing stuff in. It was like every day we, we had we had bookings, bookings, bookings. And uh, and those those couple of years right after that, uh, if we get it, actually was really good, probably our one of our best periods actually okay. running the business then. So, yeah, yeah, that's it's a it's a pendulum. There's there's ups and downs to it. I, I mean, I remember when I started in the auto industry as a full time tech was well, I started in 2006, but I you know starting to make some good money. I was getting better at what I was doing. I bought a house. Uh, you know, I'm 20, 21 years old. And then that was 2008 and everything crashed down there too. And I was kind of like, I was sweating. I was like, Oh, how am I going to pay my bills now? Like uh, what's going to happen? But for at least the area I was working in or the, you know, the community that I was servicing their, their vehicles, it, it really wasn't that bad. If no change at all, like, People kept fixing their cars because they weren't going out and buying new ones. I think, um, and, and we were we were good. We stayed, um, you know, busy busy the whole time. So that that was really good. We just didn't seem to get affected as much as I think other areas of the country and other industries no. did. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Well, I, whenever I was talking to people, you know, people who would come to us who were you know considering buying a buying one of our franchises or whatever the case is, we. But you know what I was saying with that? I said, listen, we're not recession proof, but we're recession resistant. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, it's it, personal transportation is here to stay. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the USA or, or Canada is going to become a nation of bus riders. Right. We're just, <laughs> right. It's, it's, our, our communities aren't designed to, to, to be that way, right? Yeah. They're not designed to. To, you you can't get anywhere without personal transportation. It's just the way it is, especially in rural rural areas. Like, oh yeah, um, where I'm at, I mean, it's it's a big distance between places, and the bus does, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, for where I live, I mean, it's it's a it's a twenty minute drive to a grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, for for that where I live, I mean, no, where I lived before, it wasn't you, know, you could walk to the grocery store. You just wouldn't do it at night, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, it's, it's like anything. You know, it's like, well, here, well, here, here's, here's something. Now, let, let me get your take on this. Sure. Um, I, you know, a lot of people have been talking, you know, like it's such a hot topic these days. They're talking about the electric car. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have, I have some fairly strong opinions about it uh, that a lot of people don't agree with. But, you know, I, I'm saying that. But but I, I feel that the electric car is uh, is not the solution. I think it's an interim measure until the fuel cell is perfected or brought online to the point 
that they can turn it around and reduce the emissions with it and mm-hmm. or come up with a more suitable way to power it either through hydrogen or whatever the case may be is you know if they can figure out how to how to make hydrogen efficiently versus how it's done now mm-hmm. but uh, you know i i think the electric car is <clears throat> is uh i i think it's a uh, what am I trying to say? I think it's BS, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's obvious potential. And I think the limitation for electric vehicles that a lot of people aren't willing to to accept is that done at a scale where, like, let's say, 75, 80% of people that are driving have electric cars doesn't make sense for any of the power grids anywhere right now. And okay, no, our so, structure's not ready. And maybe they figure that out. You know, okay, we jacked everything up. We can power everything. You know, where's all that power coming from? That's the next question, right? And so that's that's all. And that, those aren't easy things to solve or to make realistic. And so there's going to be those limitations. Um, and then the battery technology and stuff like that. So I personally think, in the meantime, that the hybrid model is the way that things are going to go right gas and electric together makes a lot more sense and oh yeah, yeah the, the, the the plug-in electric is is a is a pipe dream yeah you know? and, well and especially when you mentioned like 40 below weather right not all the yeah. country gets to experience that but we do and that i mean that's going to just be that's going to be hell on electric vehicles that are parked yeah. outside in the winter time trying to charge um but I was in um, Isaac Rodell's class at ASTE, and he we, he was a battery course that he was teaching. He was talking about, uh, you know, if you look into some of the, like, you read the fine details about some of these laws that they're passing, like in California, about electric vehicles and, like, everything has to be electric. It says in there, electric or some type of hybrid with a, with an ICE engine. And so yeah. I don't think that stuff's going away anytime soon. Um, now, on the other side of things, like you were mentioning with fuel cell and hydrogen, I honestly don't know much about it. I actually have somebody coming on in the near future who knows more about hydrogen than I do. So hopefully he can answer those questions uh, more intelligently than I can. Um, I've been hearing about hydrogen like since I was in tech school. I remember I'm talking about well, it's just water that comes out of the tailpipe, but nothing ever really happened with it. I don't know if it's just the no. distribution well, or what. Well, and 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 there's a lot of limitations on technology. A good friend of mine worked in um, in research, um, in and they were doing hydrogen and fuel cell research and so on and so on. And actually, they they built the first prototype um, uh, electric caravan for Chrysler. Okay, you know, but they worked with their engineers. Actually, it was done in a place in Mississauga, um, and they were they were developing some of the very early testing technology for them. Um, you know, Chrysler obviously took it from there and finished the engineering on it. But, um, pardon me, they did um, a bunch of hydrogen research too. Uh, you know, where they were trying to you know burn the hydrogen. You know, and they but that that turned to, pardon me, the pistons cracked and did all kinds of stuff through because of hydrogen embrittlement and so on. But but the actual conversion fuel cell to take um, take that there's um there was a Canadian fuel cell called the Ballard. And I don't know where that's out right now. And it's been around for a long time. But once again, I've been hearing about hydrogen powered vehicles, you know, since I was a kid, too. And it's, it's, you know, it's one of these pie in the sky kind of things. But 
you know, there, there, there got to be a solution. There has to be a solution because, as, as we said earlier, our communities are not designed to not have personal transportation. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's the way of the world. You know, now, and, and I mean, the other thing too is like where you are is way colder than what I am. Like we're actually quite a bit further south where we are in Ontario. We're about as far south as you can get in Canada. You know, we don't get too many minus 40 days, but I mean, we get some, we get some minus eight, minus 10 days for, you know, and we do get minus 30 days too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our traffic, believe it or not, in, the, in Toronto, um, the traffic across the city of Toronto, you know, for commuters uh, is actually, um, a direct comparison to Los Angeles and actually in some cases even worse. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That commute is, is just absolutely brutal. Now it's, it's, you know, through COVID obviously that, that, that wasn't the case, but you know, when we get a, you know, like you guys get, you get gridlock and you get ice and you get, you know, there's only one way across the city and you know, the 15 accidents and, 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 you know, I mean, for people to, to have a four hour commute, a um, couple of times a year, yeah, it happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at your electric vehicle there, you know, if you can't charge it at work or whatever the case may be, you know, I mean, if you're an intelligent consumer, one would hope that you would keep it, keep everything topped up. Like, you know, don't let your gas tank get down below a quarter because mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure you guys say that to all your your clients as well, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a matter of, of changing, you know, changing um, customers' expectations. You know, people's expectations are just so high these days about everything. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're going to satisfy people. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I, uh, I've, I've said it a lot. I like working with shops rather than the general public anymore. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I, I don't deal with the general public anymore. I don't. Yeah. And as I said, you know, being the age that I am, I, I probably. Uh, it's probably a good thing that I'm no longer running the company that we were because I, you know, did a lot of the, you know, business. I was I was the business face for most of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure by now I would probably be, you know, I'd be all over the internet with the, you know, crusty old guy, crusty old mechanic makes a comment about such and such. <laughs> I have some organization picketing our office, or <laughs> I've got my, all my franchisees mad at me. And <laughs> yep. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, easier easier to stay in the back of the cars, and uh, I uh, yeah. <laughs> I get it a lot. Like I, I'm in a shop. I don't know if you ever experienced this. Uh, I don't work there. I'm contracting for them yep. essentially. Mm-hmm. But either a customer or a parts vendor or I don't know, just some random person is like asking me questions. Like I work there, and I'm like, yeah, so I'm like, hey, I don't work here. I'm in the shop. I'm dressed yep. in some type of uniform. I'm working on the car. <laughs> and they look at me like, you dickhead. Of course you work here. You just don't want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've had that one. You know what, man? You know, it's, I, you know, or, or sir, yeah, I, you know, honestly, I, I'm just here helping out. I'm sorry. I don't really know that. Uh, yeah. Perhaps you might talk to so-and-so or whatever the case is. You know, in, in, my, uh, in my first shop, we had um, uh, six base. Uh-huh. And it was six bays all down the one side and people would, the way it worked is you could pull in the side lot and you pulled in and the office was around the front. <clears throat> so we would occasionally, and I'm sure you, you've had it happen when you were working in a shop, you'd get people walking in the shop. 
Oh yeah. And and guy'd be head down working on something or whatever the case is, and they'd start talking to them. You know, the customer, the client would start talking to them to to the guy, and my guys, we got to the point where they would not even acknowledge the person. They would just they would point to the office <laughs> and they go point to the office. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. and the person, you know, after 10 or 15 seconds would get the idea. Oh, okay. This guy's not going to talk to me. All right. So they'd walk back out of the bay around the front of the shop <laughs> in the front door. Yeah. Right. You know, your guy wouldn't talk to me. He's not paid to talk to you, sir, <laughs> but I am. How can I help? you? <laughs> yeah. We, um, when I worked at Firestone, we had a guy just, he didn't stop and talk to the people up front. He just came to the shop. He just pulled right into the bay, just pulled in, got out of his car. Hey guys, what's up? Like, what are you doing, dude? But it wasn't six months later, we had to put up these yellow plastic chains behind the bays. So that would keep people not only from driving, but walking back into the shop. But the problem was everyone you had when you pulled a car in you had to put the yellow chain up behind the car it was part of the process and of course then you have to remember to take the yellow chain off yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah, they were plastic yeah, for that reason but there was plenty of uh, yellow chains that got snapped as cars were oh, being yeah. backed up <laughs> oh yeah. yeah 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 but you know what but but you you, you got to do it I, I mean it's yeah some of some of the things that that, you, that happened it was you know stuff like that but yeah you have to do it. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, my guys, you know, my guys were flat rate because they wanted to be. I offered to put them on salary, but they wanted to be flat rate because they, they did okay, mm-hmm. you know, but they were not going to waste, you know. I used to always say about my guys, you know, they're they're good techs. Sometimes, you know, I always did the electrical and I always did that kind of stuff for, you know, for them because that was my thing anyway. But I was going to say they don't walk around the car twice. You know, they're there to get the job done. And, and as you and I both know as techs, that's how you get paid, right? You can get the job done, you know, yep. get it out as quickly as possible. Yep. And, 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 and done correctly. You know, I've certainly, I, I don't know what it was like in your shop, but my guys knew that if they're, you know, they were flat rate, but if there was a comeback, that that was the first guard that they were, they were working on today. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the deal. You know, if something wasn't right or something wasn't dealt with, you're going to deal with this first. So you're not getting paid for this. And you got to resolve this before you get a paying job. Yeah. So I mean, quality wasn't an issue with my guys. You know, it was you know, and and I didn't have a problem with them with with overselling. The I can honestly say in in all my time in this business, I only ever worked with one guy that I wouldn't have said was dishonest, but was borderline a little bit overzealous about things. You know, okay. about about not not selling extras, but. You know, I'd go to him like, okay, let's have another look at those calipers. Really? Let's look at the pad. Where is it even? You know, it's even, you know, yeah, both sides. It, I really don't think it needs calipers. You know what I mean? But the, the kind of dirty little secret in this business, if you will, and I, you know, I only discuss this with text. I certainly would never say this out in the public, but um, to the customer, Dishonesty and incompetence looks the exact same. Yep. Right? The customer can't tell. So when they say the guy was dishonest, he wasn't. He made a call, but he made the wrong call. 
yep. either because he wasn't educated, uh, he doesn't care to be educated, or he just plain guessed, or unfortunately, he didn't do his job and, yeah. and inspect the car properly. Yeah, it's laziness a lot of the time that, that brings that on. But yeah, it looks... It, the immediate reaction from the majority of customers is you're trying to screw me over. Um, and you're doing that intentionally. But yeah, and, and, and where it was actually, you know, I won't say it was an honest mistake. It was an honest mistake because you didn't know or it was an honest mistake because, like you said, you were too lazy to actually do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, that shop that I that I kind of grew up in, if you will, um, you know, the, the, the first day that I, I worked there, I, I'll never forget it. The guy said to me, you know, the guy who became later became my partner, he said, you know what, there's enough honest work out there. You don't have to make nothing. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've always believed that same thing. Yeah. You know what? And I, and the way I look at it, probably the same way you look at it, is it's the customer's car, their money, their decision. Mm-hmm. I'm here to give you advice. I'll give you the best advice I possibly can. And I want to educate you because an educated customer to me is my best customer. Right. So I, you know, I never minded spending the time with people to try to explain why they wanted to do whatever. And if they still said no, well, that's fine. I respect that. That's, that's their decision. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, the, the one thing that I couldn't, that, that actually I, you know, and I, I needed to kind of get over with, well, I already had it checked by somebody else in there and they're going to do it for 40 bucks cheaper. Well, then I, and I guess you better take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, know, you probably ran into that in your Firestone days, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially the area that I was at. Um, that was that was very common. Uh, I was again. That's where I figured out that my job is a lot easier when I'm not dealing directly with the public all the time because they have it set up. Their service writers they deal with the customers and they'll bring them back and I'll talk to them and like, yeah, hey, there's your leaking, whatever. But, um, I didn't have to deal a lot with the selling and everything. And prior to that, I did my first, uh, I would say six, seven years in the field. I was service writer slash tech. So I sold my own work. I ordered the parts and then I did the work. And while it's a good experience to know what that's like, man, you can be a lot more efficient at your job without doing that side of it. And I think it's a lot less stress too, when you're just focused on the car. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool talking about some of this stuff. I I mean, from the business standpoint, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be able to, to stand back and, and, you know, I, 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 you know, the saying says, I, you know, you don't make the same mistake with your own money twice. (laughs) <laughs> right. Sure, sure. So I, I mean, you know, and that's how I look at with my guys. You know, if if we make a mistake, we make a mistake. Just come and tell me, and we'll figure out the way forward. What we're going to do with it, how we're going to fix it. Like, mm-hmm. there's no anger, there's no, there's no disgust, there's no finger pointing. It, it just is what it is. You know, we've all been there. We all make mistakes. Believe me, I've made my share. But you have to have, you have to just be constantly looking for a way forward. You know, and, and you, you've got to, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a hard decision. Like right now, there's a couple of tools I'd like to buy, uh, you know, to add to my arsenal. I know I'm not ready quite yet, and I don't probably my business isn't at that point, but you want to be prepared. But you got to say, no, you want, no, it makes sense to hold back. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Uh, like, I mean, I don't know what you spend on tools of year, but I know that this year was a pretty heavy year for me, especially after going to Wepromicon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's meeting all these people and, uh, making friends in the industry that seem to have, uh, increased my spending by quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like I think my wife came to me, uh, and, uh with everything, you know, including the, 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 the trip and everything out there. I think like I've, I've got, I've spent almost 29 grand since, since June, Wow. you know, with trying to dig into this, but I mean, but, but to me, I look at it once again, it's, it's move, it's a move forward. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the, e- the, the programming business and specifically getting into the dealing with used modules is going to be a real, a real market. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I mean, I, you, you see it every day and, and, and I mean, and you're into, um, you're into another thing that I haven't gotten into that I've, I'm fascinated to listen to. I, I really enjoyed your podcast on keys. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I know you do keys. I know Kevin, Kevin Sutter does keys, yep. you know, and encouraged me to get into the key business. I haven't done it yet. Uh, cause I'm not, I'm not really quite there. And there are a ton of key guys around here, but I've been caught up, caught short on a couple of jobs where I've had to drive to the dealer and get a key. Sure. I, I bet you just speaking with you and the amount that I know you, that you would probably be really interested in the Lishi stuff. Not even if you didn't necessarily use it. I mean, it's a nice thing to have if you need to make a key from scratch, like you, you can decode the lock, but it's one of those finesse things that's actually really frustrating. Like you want to throw the stupid Lishi across the shop like why is this not working but once you finally get it you finally like like you feel okay i i can feel that it makes sense now and then you open the lock and you you decode it it's it's pretty cool um just to work through and gain that skill i bet i bet you you'd like that quite a bit i've actually kind of enjoyed how challenging it's been to learn that stuff yeah i used to i used to um um, sit on the couch when I was a teenager, just for some, cause I'm probably like most of us, you know, I've kind of got that OCD, you know, can't sit still kind of thing going on, Sure, you know, probably, probably like ADHD kind of stuff. Like that's me, right. As most of us are, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause I, I recognize a lot of people who were just like me at the Primacon. <laughs> yep. Yep. I used to sit on the couch watching TV, whatever, uh, with a, with a padlock. And a, okay. and a paper clip and whatever, and just sit there, you know, just working on picking locks and stuff like that, just because it was something I wanted to learn how to do. So, yeah, the Lishi thing, when I saw that and I heard it, and I heard you talk about it, I thought, that looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I mean, it's it's fun and frustrating. Um, it's it's pretty cool. But then, yeah, another source of revenue, too. Um, I'm going to do an all-keys loss tomorrow morning. And, um, yeah, if you're fighting with other locksmiths and stuff, you know, they can drive the, the, or other people in general can just drive the price down, but, um, it, it's a nice service to add. And for me, it's been, okay, I'm already programming all your stuff. Hey, I do keys too. They'll just call me because they have a working relationship with me and they know my, you know, I'll get there. I'll take care of them. And the, the all keys lost have been a good, uh, source of revenue. Um, cause you can, yeah, I, I, I'm actually shocked as to how often that happens. Oh, dude, I I didn't know until I got into this. And it happens like all the time. How do you how do you lose all your keys to your car? I just don't even understand that. I mean, if I if I don't have a second key to a car, 
that's the first thing I'm doing. So I'm going to go make another key and maybe a third yeah. one, and then I'll put them in two spots. But <laughs> it's just I don't yeah. I don't get it. But it's all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I yeah, I know it's it it really it blows me away. Although what I've actually been finding, and I don't know what it is, I don't know whether it's the local guy isn't interested, doesn't have the time. Uh, but I get a call from a shop where they purchase the fob or 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 the smart key, whatever, from from the locksmith guy, from the lock guy. Mm-hmm. But he's the one a programmer. Yeah, I. I think that's where a lot of the locksmiths in particular have limitations is on the automotive programming side. Whereas, and it's not all of them, there are fantastic locksmiths out there that can do all that stuff, but they're great with the locks, the keys, making the keys, cutting them, that sort of stuff. And again, a lot of them can do plenty of the programming, but I have locksmiths in my area who want nothing to do with automotive period. And I think that's where the limitation lies. Um, I had actually gone to um, one of the um, EPROM, one of the earlier EPROM classes that Mike and Pedro held in Vegas. And there was a couple locksmiths that attended that class and they were there for that exact reason because they're like, we get beat up on the programming side of things so often that we can just make the key and then that's it. We can't get it programmed to the vehicle and we want to learn how to do that stuff. Um, and like when it comes to the European side of things, a lot of the time you're pulling modules and doing the EPROM stuff to get that key added to the vehicle. So it's like a whole nother skill set on top of automotive, on top of keys that you that you need to get that stuff done. But it, it sure is a cool feeling when you can make that stuff happen i actually like doing the european stuff now where I'm yeah I, security I, modules and stuff you know it's funny you say that because i actually did my first bmw uh came in uh pcm with um it was a an 08 323i um dealer told the guy that the car was unfixable it got towed to one of my customers. He called me. We went and looked at it. And the problem actually was that uh, two of the pins had actually disintegrated on the PCM. They were gone completely. Oh, They'd rotted right off. Like they were oh. missing inside the connector. Jeez. So uh, we cleaned the connector up, had a look at it. And went, yeah, the connector actually looks okay. It's just the pins on the PCM were tossed. So I said, well, get it, get a used PCM and let's see what we can do. So I had already bought, I had purchased a Hexprog. Uh, for another job um, that ended up being w- was a bit of an expensive lesson. Uh, and I, that one was a, a V-dub with the um, uh, was a M17.2.5 or whatever. Anyway, it's the one that has the TriCar pro- processor. Oh. That, and I didn't have the software to be able to manage and and undo that. I mean, Mike offered to help me, but he, he was, I said, yeah, you know what? I ended up buying Otis. You know, okay. I I swallowed Otis, and we were able to do it, got the customer going. So, But I would bought Hexprog, and all of a sudden, I was rather crestfallen because I bought this thing, and all of a sudden, it didn't do the job because I wasn't educated enough. Not the tool's fault, my fault. But um, the one thing about the Hexprog is that, as you know, it, can, it does the CAS modules and the FRM modules and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I was able to get that, that unit, and I, was, I used my 508. Uh, pulled out the long ISN from the five from it, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason I couldn't make the XP 
uh, 400 uh, talk to the CAS module for whatever reason it wouldn't, but the Hexprog did. So I went and pulled the pulled the file out with the Hexprog, loaded it with the info back into the IM508. It did the file repair, pulled it back out on the key, and then put it back in with the Hexprog. Nice. And then we were able to take that to CAS module, went back, and didn't even have to do anything with the keys. It recognized the keys, and boom, the car started and ran. And that was such a good, as you said, that was such a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, okay, we can do this. You know, and I was I was kind of, I'll be what? I was kind of scared of BMWs up to that. Oh, yeah, same here. I'm, you know, I don't have a ton of experience with them, right? Yeah, if you were to ask me two, year, two three years ago, like, hey, do you want to do some immobilizer work on a BMW? I'd be like, no, I'm good. Send it to the, send it to somebody at Euro Shop or something like that. And now, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'd probably rather do BMW first out of all of the European vehicles. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, okay. And that's the thing is like just getting into something and figuring out, oh, I can figure this out. Oh, this isn't that bad or they're you know I, I just need to educate myself like you say and then oh this this is just more nuts and bolts <laughs> you know like you were saying at the beginning it's all <laughs> well you know what I, i'm finding you know obviously the, fi- the finding that uh, the problem i have right now obviously you know i i need a couple more tools you know to give me more coverage but the limitation right now is me i'm the limitation you know, the education that I have and, and, and the, you know, I've, I've learned a ton. As I said, that, that Ipromicon class was, I mean, it was great to meet all the people and, and, and pick up the stuff. But the, the thing that I really wanted to go there to pick up and I, and I got what I needed was the, what do I actually need to do this job? You know, cause the tools that were there, other than the, the, the Autel, the Adam 508, I had never seen any of those other tools before. Right. I had no clue, not a not an inkling of what it was. Yep. Like I'm, I ordered an AR32. I'm waiting for it to arrive. Nice. I'm looking getting it, um, but I, I think that'll that'll give me some comfort. You know, mm-hmm. it's such a cool tool. But yeah. uh, you look at some of the other stuff, you know, VVDI tools and, and so on. It's like anything, it, you know. As they said, like there's no scan tool that does it all. Right. You know, there just isn't, and and there there can't be. It would it would be impossible mm-hmm. to be able to do that, right? Yeah, there's, there's too much variety out there and stuff. Um, yeah, and you kind of have to, yeah, make make decisions in order to invest your money and stuff that's actually going to be returned for you. And then sometimes you hit it big, and other times you spend a lot of money. And um, I'm, I'm looking at a box on my floor that I spent a lot of money on, and I still have not opened that box yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, that's what I was saying with the with the Hexprog. You yeah. know, I was going bouncing back and forth between that. I forget the other tool I was, I was considering getting, but uh, I looked at what the capabilities of that tool was, and I thought, you know what? Well, I'm looking at the marketplace. Look at the calls I'm getting. Yeah, that makes actual sense. Now, I haven't I haven't ponied up, and, you know, I, I – I, did the Volkswagen on the 30 day. I haven't coughed up the other 1500 bucks because that's almost $2,400 Canadian right now to get the full, uh, to get the full subscription. But with the other stuff that I can use it for, I've already paid for my initial investment. So I'm okay there. Nice. But uh, after it failed on that Volkswagen, I'm going, Oh man, I just blew 900 bucks. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that yeah. car still doesn't start. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that's that's the that's the oh man, what am I doing? Do I really know what I'm doing? Okay. <laughs> and you really start to doubt yourself and then and then you get you get a win and then all of a sudden you're kinda of back in the game again, right? Yeah, yeah. What's that next nine hundred dollar tool I'm buying? <laughs> <laughs> Bingo, exactly. <laughs> uh. But but that's the thing. I mean, you know, you you, you don't want to say no, but then right. again, you don't want to cough up eight or nine hundred bucks for a tool that you may only use once. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. That's always the balance, right? And, and I think you and Matt Matt Fonswell were talking about the exact same thing. I think I, I was listening to your, you know, and you guys were saying the exact same thing. Like like I can, you know, as as Mike Christopherson said, he said. If I could get away with three tools, you think I'd be driving this sprinter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I can only imagine the, the the amount of tools that Pedro has. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of these guys. Oh, Kevin. Um, or, or Kevin. I mean, yeah. Kevin, you know, I didn't want to point the finger at Kevin, but I mean, you know. <laughs> Kevin, but I mean, but the thing with Kevin is that I mean, obviously he's got he's got you know his business, which is divided up between his actual shop business. And the stuff he does, and and the other, and I mean, the guy's amazing. He's so oh, yeah. talented. Yeah, he, you know, he's you know, you look at some of the stuff that he does, and he go, wow, okay, like, uh, and I and I I kind of I knew of Kevin before I met him at Promicon through another guy I know that does cluster repairs. Okay, and he runs a cluster repair business, but he's also a an instructor at the local community college and automotive instructor. So I knew him through that. And, uh, and he, you know, I'd heard about Kevin before I actually met him and he okay. said, yeah, this Kevin guy, he said, he's, he's got a crazy amount of stuff and he does all this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, if I get a question, I always call him, you know, but I mean, but you know, Kevin's invested, like he's in it. This is his thing. This is yep. his group. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. like, <clears throat> but I can think of, oh man, the, the amount of money. You know, like when he told me he he, he went out and, and, you know, because he wanted, because Kess, of course, uh, Kess and K-Tag changed to Kess 3. And he said, yeah. So I just went and bought one. And I and I, and I said, oh, well, what'd you spend on that? And he told me, and I kind of went, you know, big <laughs> ball. And I went, but, but for him, it makes sense. Yes. Because yes. His, business is, his business is to that point where it can support that. And God bless him. Good for him. That's awesome. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. You have to look at what you're doing. You know what you're going to be. What's what your market take is, right? on? Yeah, well, yeah. What your market is, um, and uh, you know, for me, for instance, like buying Zentry for Mercedes would be completely. It, it wouldn't make sense at all because I get a, one, two calls on Mercedes every six months. Um, yeah, that's the same. That's just not my that not my market. So I have no interest in pursuing that um but for whatever reason i seem to get a lot of bmws and so that stuff makes a lot more sense volkswagens i get a ton of calls on those so i bought otis and it's paid for itself um so yeah i think uh it's important as a business owner or i mean you can even do it as a tech too right like what tool am i buying off the tool truck this week well what am i seeing in my base what or you know make make some notes like i i find it's really helpful to write some of this stuff down to document it like oh i got four calls for this particular transmission i guess i just jotted this down somewhere uh, okay it makes sense to go look for this tool and having that just written down somewhere on a even piece of paper and say oh okay mitsubishi cbt okay i got another call for that okay i guess i gotta start looking into this tool um 
and keeping track of that stuff. That's important because it's tough to keep it all in your head. Um, but actually having it written down, then you can do some math too. Like, okay, I got four calls on this tools, X amount of dollars. Okay. All right. It makes sense. Um, yeah. So you're going to get an ROI, right? Yeah. Or, or are you at least going to get your investment back? Yes. You, know, I, you would for sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, absolutely. Like you'd at least like to get the price of admission back. I mean, the, the way I look at it too is, is like my year end's coming out. So I'll, I'll sit down with my year's invoices and I've got to go through and see, you know, how many GMs did I do? How many Fords did I do? What am I going to buy? Like, like, you know, am I, does it make sense for me now to buy a year subscription for GM? Mm-hmm. Did I do it now? that that makes sense? You know, because I, you know, my, when I started this business, it really started at the very beginning of COVID. So, I mean, I couldn't even go out and go door knocking. Mm-hmm. You know, I got back, most of my business right now is word of mouth. Probably you, you know, probably went through a very similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, so, so you mentioned Otis, just a quick question. Let me ask sure. you. So, uh, you've installed version 10. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I can see the look on your face. So, I installed version 10 and, uh, went to do, uh, went to a vehicle, uh, you know, and, and clunked down the 190 bucks mm-hmm. for the one week subscription. Uh, because once again, I don't have a lot of VW business. So, did that, uh, Started doing the test plan, and then uh, I said, hang on a minute. I When I used it with 9, where's the service info? Where's the service info at? Where's that at? So I phoned. So I phoned uh, help, and mm-hmm. I said, hey, I, there, there seems to be a problem with my download. I didn't get the service info. And the guy said to me flat out, he said, no, it's not included anymore. Yep. I said, what do you mean? Well, you guys were never really even supposed to have that. <laughs> he said that to me. I went, "Are you kidding me?" He said, "Nah." I said, "That was a programming problem, and they just never addressed it." But we addressed it in version ten. I said, yeah. "Is there anyone who can go back to nine? Uh, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that happened when it went to ten is I was using my eye scan as the it emulates uh, VAS. Uh, 6154, which is factory, or Volkswagen's factory interface. And so it eliminates any of the key cycle problems that you run into with a J-Box doing that. And for anybody looking, you can't find a VAS 6154 right now unless it's, uh, it's you know, used. But they're, you know, galactic back order, like a lot of stuff right now. So, but when they went to 10, iScan no longer works as a pass-through, like, at all. Um, and I guess I haven't checked in the last couple of weeks, but last time I did check, they still didn't have a fix for it. Um, and I had paid money, <laughs> obviously for the iScan, which has other uses, but I paid money to iScan, you know, to to say, activate the Volkswagen emulator. And uh, so that I was bummed out about too. So I've been getting by with the J box, but there are some definite limitations there. So that's, I mean, that's what we fight with all this stuff, right? Is a constant upgrade and changing and this and that and i think it's why it's tough for your tough if not impossible for your average shop to keep up with all of it because it's my full-time gig and i struggle to keep up with it a lot of the time somebody that's only pulling this out every you know six months to try to get it to work on a car would be just a disaster 
Oh, oh, ab- absolutely. You know what? And I have, I've had, and I'm sure you've had clients too. You know, and I had a shop that I, I, I've done a lot of work for. They're really good guys, that, you know, and and they're sharp. And I mean, it's it's not that they don't have the ability to do this. They do, you know, and they're younger guys, so they their brains would probably absorb far more than I could, or mine will at this point in time. But you know, they say to me, well, you know, what do you think about about getting in a flash? I said, I said, hey, listen, if, if you're thinking about getting into this. Um, I'll give you some advice. I'll tell you what to buy and what to do. I said, no, the end, you know, really is neither here nor there for me. You know, you're one customer. I'm happy to try and help you. I said, but look at how often you call me, mm-hmm. right? You you call me three times a year. You know, do you want to invest, uh, you know, 3800 bucks in a, you know, a Cardac 3 Plus, plus a laptop, plus, plus, plus the subscription. And then every time you go and use it every four months, yeah, it's you know TechLine Connect is going to be eight eight versions behind. <laughs> yeah, or, or or Ford is going to be what, and you're going to spend you know forty five minutes to two hours getting the PC ready to be able to do the job. Then yep. you got to run the subscription and and and. Wouldn't you rather be doing like two great jobs in that time? You know what? Fine, does it make financial sense for you to do that? I understand, I understand the prime thing. I understand being able to do it. I get that. I said. You're smart guys. You can do this. If I can do it, you can definitely do it. You know, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not brilliant, but at the end of the day, does it make sense? What's your ROI? What What are you? Are you going to get that money back? Probably not. You yeah. know, and the frustration level. Like I know how frustrated I get sometimes, <laughs> and 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 I'm you know I've got three years into this now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and I mean you're probably the same way. Yep. You know. Yep. Like you, you look up and go, what do you what? What do you mean, you know, in my case, FGDS needs another update. It almost looks like they need another update every month. <laughs> right. Oh, Tech, Tech Line Connect has just been just brutal. Just, just brutal. I couldn't imagine trying to use that with no prior reference. Or, or at least just like an understanding going into it that it's probably going to crash a couple times before it fires up. Like if I was just... Now, if that was my first time programming something, maybe I would be so concerned to use that program <laughs> to try to to get a module functional because it would shut off four times and before I could even get into something. It's so well. It's, it, this may not make you feel any better. It certainly didn't me. Uh, but my son has been a dealer tech for just over a year, and he's a, he's a GM dealer tech. He's, he's He's one of their guys with more experience. And when I tell him about TechLine Connect, he just rolls his eyes. Because they have the exact same problems. Yeah, I've, I've heard that same thing. Yeah, like like the, the tech next to her. Um, she does a lot, of, a lot of the programming and that kind of stuff. She said, he said the number of modules that she has bricked <laughs> because TechLine has crashed during what they're doing. And I, and I mean, you know, and they're flat rate. They, you know, she just throws up her hands like this. She just takes it back to the parking lot, lays it on the counter, and they give her another one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't make you feel any better, right? But I mean, what does that say about about the uh, how much actual testing that they're doing? Right. You know, I, I, I joked with somebody the other day. I said, I think that uh, the GM has, uh, has hired the same company that Ford hires to write their software. <laughs> Because that's almost the way it seemed to be going. 
Yeah. You know, to me, to me it was the best software. I mean, Ford was was rock solid in that. Oh, yeah. started sideways. SBS one was lights out. I guess you can still get that if you call yeah. um service or you know, tech tech help or whatever for your, they will yeah. they'll they'll open it up for you. Yeah. Actually actually they're they, they said they'll open it up for you for a day, but the last time they opened it up for me, I think I had it for three weeks. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It was uh, handy. I, I actually ended up buying actually off a of, off a shop who got frustrated with, with programming like five or eight years ago. I actually picked up a, a Blue Streak iFlash off. Okay. Yeah, next to nothing. And uh, and I'm going to try it. Well, I, actually, I did try it. I used it on Monday on an 07 Equinox. Okay. Because I had read a whole bunch of stuff, for, especially with the 3 Plus, that it, the, and what people were saying, and I don't know whether it's true because I haven't had it happen, but they said that it would crash with TechLine with SPS2. Uh, because the box was actually too fast, the transfer rate. At least that's what that was the theory. I don't know whether that's actually the case or not, or whether it's a problem with, with TechLine, because then you said you get SPS1 and you're good to go. So I used the, I'm going to try the, the slower J box and see if that gets around the problem. Okay. Okay. I've heard, I've heard about people using you, that, you know, like with, uh, with the Ford uh, uh, first series box and the earlier GM box. Yeah. If you have. They use it, and it seems to solve the issue. I don't know why that's true. Well, I don't know. I know for some of the Class 2 stuff, that was definitely the case, is if you were trying to use an MDI 2, their newest interface with a old single-wire Class 2, your, your likelihood of breaking something is much more. Um, I, um, I got set up with an old XP laptop and TIS 2000 and a Tech 2, for that old stuff and i mean it's only good up until 07 but that is that is where it's at for programming that stuff um it's very very stable i guess is the best way to put it um it just works um well xp i mean xp was rock solid yeah i was an xp fan you know i actually didn't even buy windows 7 you know 7 once i wrapped my head around some of the security issues with 7 but yeah. when 10 came along with the extra level of security and stuff like that, I tapped it. I said, you know what, I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm done learning about this stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, when my kids were younger, uh, you know, Windows 98, I mean, I learned, I learned uh, Windows stuff out of self-defense because my kids were always breaking stuff. <laughs> Dad, this doesn't work. Oh, this doesn't work. So I, I learned and I get into it. And then, you know, then when we get into XP and so on, I loved XP, but... Yeah, like your setup, you know, I like I don't have a tech two, you know, mostly because I don't work on a lot of stuff that old, right? Sure. You know, and I, I, I do have a friend I can I can borrow one from if I really need it. They were they were uh, they worked at a Saab Saab Saturn dealer. Oh, okay. Before they got downsized. Uh-huh. Uh, and they came up with a couple of tech twos nice. from the dealer as as a parting a parting gift. <laughs> so, so i don't ask any questions i say can i borrow it sure sure but once again there you go to to, to equipment yeah you know what do you buy what do you have what uh, have you got so you know, you'd love to have it all but it's it's almost impossible you know to, to be to be like a, a guy like me you know it just doesn't make sense that to have that much gear right Right, you're gonna be you're gonna be buying certain things if you're trying to get to that point. 
you're going to buy certain things just to have them, not to be profitable with them. And then, so then you have to decide like, yeah, is this where I want to spend my money or do I want to have a boat? <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know what? I, I mean, you know, Hey, if it's something you're going to get a return on, I'd say buy it. Uh, but, but you got to figure it. And, and I, you know, and I, when I look at my buddy, Larry, you know, at 71, you know, still doing this stuff. And he has a, he has a, but he, you know, he's been doing this stuff for like, he's been doing it for 20 years. So he has a lot of stuff. But for me, you know, I figured, hey, maybe if I can do this and for the next, you know, if I can do it for 10 more years, you know, then, then I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I think I'll, you know, I'll invest in a few more pieces of equipment. But I think we got some legs with this thing. I really do. Like, I think, you know, Pedro and, and Mike and that were on there really made the right call. Yeah. To kind of digging into this section of the business. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, people say, you know, they're, they're training guys, but I mean, the, the market is so big. It's so large that, I mean, they could, they could probably train another couple thousand guys. It's not going to put a dent in, in anybody's business. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking to Fonslow, and I don't know for sure the number of people that attended Pedro's webinar recently for the Subaru one, but when we had talked, it was somewhere around 100 people or so, and that's that's great turnout for his class, but if you think about it, that's only two people per state that can perform that job, right? And so uh, on the big scale of things, and I mean, that was just the you know, the U.S., right, not even including Canada or something like that. Um, yeah, you're right. The market is is very big. And, of course, anything like that be, can become saturated. Um, but I don't know. This Some of the stuff's definitely challenging enough to keep, you know, that you, you have to invest some time to build things, some skills to be able to do it. But then there's a paywall to a lot of the stuff, too, with all the tooling that we're referencing here, too. So, then it's like, okay, I'm going to ante up, and then I'm going to be that guy, and I'm going to go out there and seek out these jobs um, and take on this sort of stuff. And I mean, it's kind of what I've been doing, and it's uh, so far it's working out for me. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the, the you, and you said the addition of the keys really helps. Like, I think the keys, once you're into it, when you've got, you got what you need, I, I mean, to me, the, you know, I, I think that the price of admission is probably about 20 you could probably get in with for about twenty eight hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. I think it's somewhere around there. I think by the time you buy, you know, uh, an X horse, uh, you, know, you buy one of their machines, you buy one of their readers, whatever the case may be, right? I, I, you know, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I, I'm no, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, you can get a Dolphin and a Key Tool Max for about that, and then it's just you know the keys, and, and it's like. Everything else, it's kind of endless once you start looking at it. And I'm like, I want to stock keys, and I'm like, like, okay, how much, how much money do I drop here to have these things on the ready? Because if I have one ready, it's such an easy sell. I'm at a shop. Oh, you need another key? I got one in the van. But how how many thousands of dollars do I want to spend to have key stock? Um, yeah, well, that, that, that was that's that's the one I don't know. But you know, you can see that you can see the hardware is real easy. But but for me, I you know I'm thinking, what do I want to buy? What do I want to put in for um, for inventory? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could easily match 
the hardware with inventory really easy. easily. Yeah, I, I started with just Ford stuff because that's why I even got into keys. Just because a lot of them need that second key to complete the programming. That was the whole reason I started with it. And then the Chrysler Win modules. Sometimes you you can unlock them, but they need another key. And then hey, I can sell you a key. And then everybody's asking about keys. And okay, let's get these other ones. And yeah, yeah. yeah. What what I run into with the Win modules is that you uh, you get the module, you get the program, and everything's cool. And it will work with the key that came with the win module, mm-hmm. but you can't get the original key. To work. Yep, yep. It's um. So Keith Perkins has something on that, and I don't recall the order. It's something to do with the PCM replaced function through the scan tool, and there is a way that you can get around that. So. I don't know, maybe he has a video on his website or something like that. <laughs> um, there, there is a way you can get around that. If I run into that, I just sell him a new key. But um, there's also a way that you can lock the fobs with the VVDI stuff. But you got to solder to the circuit board and stuff, and so that's some work. I, actually, the Hexprog does some of those, too. Oh, does it? But okay. I think the VVDI is probably more capable, too. Okay. It's, certainly, it's certainly geared more towards that. Yeah. Yeah, they. I will say, X Horse does key stuff like nobody else. It's, from what I have experienced, it's it's quite the product. Mm-hmm. Wicked, wicked cool. Anyway, well, um, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's 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 working for you. Uh, you know the. Uh, the number of people that I've actually turned on to your podcast, I, you know, I said, hey, if you, you're listening to this guy, you need to be listening to this guy. This is a good guy to listen to. You know, and I'm telling people, stop listening to the radio. Put this on. Put this guy on when you're driving to work. You know, listen, listen to what it is. Now, does does uh, Matt Fonslow, does he have something? Yes, he does. Um, it's uh, Diagnosing the Aftermarket is the name of the show, and it's on no. the same podcast apps. Oh, okay. So... Uh, yeah, definitely check out his show. Um, he he covers a wide range of stuff. Um, you know, it's it's all tying back to automotive and this industry, but he's going into things like you know substance abuse and uh, marriage, divorce, uh, all kinds. Of, like he's he's covering a wide range, and it's it's a really good show. So definitely, oh, it's a yeah, you talk about substance abuse. So I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. <clears throat> so I'm sure you worked with, I don't know whether you worked with guys like this, but, uh, you know, when I talk about a rough and tumble crowd, most of the guys that I worked with back in the early days when I was, you know, barely, barely shaving, <laughs> you know, all those guys had a, had a bottle in their box. You know, mm-hmm. they had a, a bottle of rye or bourbon or whatever the case is, one of the drawers in their box. And when I went to this one shop, before I went to the, the shop where I ended up with the two business partners, I I figured that I'd become a trusted employee when I got my own key to the paper towel container in the bathroom, because that's where the Mickey rum was hidden. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and there were always a couple of cups, you know, a couple of plastic cups in the, in the medicine cabinet, mm. you know, when the guy would go in there and have a cigarette. You know, okay. in the morning, at ten o'clock in the morning, and have a shot of rum or whatever the case, whatever was in the was in the container. You know, you talk about substance abuse. I mean, yeah, it's been around forever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people in our industry 
seem to be, you know, wrapped up with that. Yeah, you and me both have known lots of people. Um, but yeah, that was some of the, you know, topics that he's broaching there on his show, which has been been really, you know, good to talk about that sort of stuff because yeah, otherwise nobody does. No, no, absolutely. You know what? And, and when I, you know, tell my son about that, he, you know, he's been attacked for 12 years, right? And and he looks at me and goes, what? <laughs> I said, but but I mean, you know, guys that, um, I said, you know, you've worked with guys in your own shop that, you know, come in on, on Monday morning and they're, and they're still, you know, they're on the tail end of an acid trip. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I said, and I, you know, I said, and you know, darn well that that guy's head's not in the game. Right. You know, he's got a set of keys and taking a customer's car for a test drive. And I'm going, yeah, that can't be good. Right. <laughs> you know, anyway, cool, as all, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, modding your page. I hope I'm doing an okay job yeah. for you. No, I appreciate you doing that for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're certainly getting, and, and the welcome feature kind of popped out. I didn't come up with that just so you know, okay. Facebook came up with that. Oh, the welcome. It actually collects the names oh, and okay. send, it sends me a uh, said you have. And, uh, you know, when it gets two or three, I forget how many uh, hours it goes. And if, if you get a, com, you know, compiles two or three or five or ten or whatever, it says you have new we- new members to welcome. And I went, well, let's welcome those people. So <laughs> nice. I, I like yeah, it. Facebook did that. I didn't do that. Just so you know. OK, OK. Well, to appreciate it either way. So, and I uh, I appreciate you spending uh, two hours with me tonight. That flew by. Well, yeah, so. I, I hope it didn't take up too much of your time. I hope you'll no. get something useful out of it, and uh, hope it doesn't sound too much like gibberish. <laughs> no, well, I, I on the it. other on the other group that I mod uh, with is the Canadian Mechanics Hangout, and it's a it's a national page in in Canada. You have to be a, a tech of some description in okay. motive power to join. Um, and, you know, so we've got everything from, you know, automotive to aircraft to, you know, farm equipment guys, whatever the case is, <clears throat> but they all call me grandpa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he used to call me dad. Now they just call me grandpa. <laughs> it's no insult. Anyway, I, I hope it was of some use. And, and once again, I appreciate what you're doing. It's uh, very helpful for me. It's been very helpful for me to listen to some of your stuff and go Okay, so I'm not really out to lunch. Okay, all right, that's cool. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Jamie. I appreciate no, no it. Problem. You take care, and I'll talk to you in due course, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Big thank you to Jamie for spending a couple hours with me. Really appreciated that. Super cool guy. Uh, it's really uh, an honor to get to talk to people who have so much experience in the field and, uh, all the really intelligent people I've on the podcast. It's really cool. Um, I feel uh, really lucky to be able to do that. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, also like to thank everybody for listening uh, and the feedback I've been getting about the show. It's fantastic. Keep it up. Love it. But with that all the way, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.